Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Hey, welcome to the program today. Episode 31 of Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back here to, to this show. I'm a little bit uh, spoiled after yesterday. I'm back here in the studio and it's uh, quiet and boring and lonely. Yesterday, uh, KSL was kind enough to send me up to the uh, Capitol building and broadcast as the legislature kicked off its 2010 legislative, uh, 2010, 2020 legislative session. Uh, we're going to cover some of the issues from that today. You learned uh, just earlier today on the news that uh, the legislature, the House rather, voted to overturn uh, that tax deal. Uh, well, that was uh, nearly unanimous. There was one representative who voted uh, against repealing the tax reform measure. That's Kevin Stratton. He's going to speak to us in the next segment. We're going to cover a lot of ground today. We're going to get you caught back up on the impeachment uh, goings on. We're going to talk uh, about another piece of uh, legislation out of the state. Uh, and we're also going to turn back the clocks 34 years. It was 34 years ago today that the Challenger uh, shuttle exploded, uh, taking with it the seven crew members on board. We're going to speak to a Deseret News reporter who was in this very newsroom 34 years ago. Her assignment that day was to walk around town and get the reactions of Utahns, like uh, you and me, on that day 34 years ago. Uh, Carrie Moore, she now works down at the Daily Universe uh, at uh, Brigham Young University. She's going to join us uh, and talk about her experience that day and some of her memories. But uh, we're going to start off with a big story you heard uh, early this morning dealing with an attempted kidnapping. Uh, in studio now is uh, John Wojcik. He's going to be covering this story throughout the day. What do we know so far? And Give us the details on this story. Yeah, this has been uh, developing throughout the day, Lee. This is something that we knew this overnight going into this morning that uh, unfortunately this uh, teenage girl high schooler at Hunter High over in West Valley City uh, was kidnapped. It was a situation where she was walking alone uh, back from school to home. And it sounds like, you know, every parent's worst nightmare. I mean, I heard Dave and Debbie talk about it earlier today, and it really is somebody who just uh, picks uh, a teenager up on the side of the road, forces him inside a vehicle, and takes off with him. That's pretty much uh, what we've heard uh, from Melody Gray, who's a sergeant with Unified Police, and also from the Granite School District. That's what we've heard today. Uh, it sounds like what happened. So this girl was picked up uh, and forced inside a vehicle by this man. He took her to his home, which uh, was only about, it sounds like, three miles away from this girl's home. So she didn't go terribly far uh, and then eventually was able to get her way out of the home. That's the piece of information we don't know yet, and we're still waiting for more details on that is how she got out of this home. But sure. she, she was able to get out of the home eventually. Sounds like uh, reportedly there was an assault that took place. And then afterwards, she got out of this home, went back towards the school area, found friends, was able to reunite with with, uh, family and friends. She is okay now. 
Uh, and then the piece of information that came out this morning is uh, they have somebody booked now for this suspected kidnapping and assault. That is 43-year-old Creed Cole Lujan. And the thing that came out is this guy really has a lengthy rap sheet, and it's for some pretty terrible stuff. Back in 2009, he pleaded guilty to attempted murder uh, and eventually was sentenced for anywhere from three years to life in prison. So when this happened, uh, just happened Monday afternoon, yesterday afternoon, he was on parole at that time, dating back to what happened uh, a little bit over 10 years ago. How much time had he served for that within that? I'm not sure exactly how much time he served on that. We're still waiting for some details, I think, uh, on exactly his background as well. But when that came out, I mean, that was really a scary piece of information because it's already, you know, terrible enough as it is. But you you never know what exactly intentions were. And we don't have any reason to believe that uh, he had any sort of, you know, past relationship with this teenage girl or even knew her. Uh, Either, you know, it just seems like he was lived nearby, was driving around and uh, spotted. Someone walking alone. Remind me, for for which crime was he arrested, uh, charged, and convicted? Two thousand and nine. I pleaded guilty to attempted murder. That was in third district court, uh, and he did that in exchange for a charge of aggravated kidnapping being dismissed. So, if you want to put this and just pigeonhole it for a past history of kidnapping. Uh, as recent as you know, 10, 11 years ago, that was there with this individual. So we've heard from a couple of different people. Melody Gray's been really good for, uh, she joined Dave and Debbie earlier today. Sure. And also Ben Horsley, the spokesperson for the Granite School District. And I think the important message that he's tried to get across today is, one, hopefully this doesn't reflect you know unfairly and poorly on the area because it is a, a relatively you know safe community, a good school district, and things like this don't happen every day. So that's why it gets everybody's attention when you see something like this happen. And he also said all you can do at this point is you know learn lessons and hopefully uh, even if you have to go out of your way to do it, you should be walking in groups because that there is power. He said there's power in numbers and people like this. You don't want to imagine it's true, but it is. We'll drive around and just look for a lone individual person who doesn't have any sort of help. If you're just with one other person or two other people, it can be the difference between somebody you know trying some something horrible like this and not. Sure, uh, but uh, when this story is all said and done, at least at the at the, at the moment, uh, all the good guys are safe and the suspects are in custody. It seems like it. He's been booked, and it's on a number of different things. And at this point, obviously, uh, no charges, no conviction. This all happened yesterday. Right. But with the past history he has, you think there's guilt on his part? You would assume, and we're, we'll find out more from. Uh, I'm assuming the girl who was kidnapped and anybody else. But a really cool story, you know. Lastly, from how police were able to sure. do it. While she was kidnapped and in the vehicle, uh, she quick, uh, I believe, texted her friend, sent a description of the car she was in and um, where they might be going for a home. Eventually, uh, the individual who kidnapped her took the phone, threw it out of the car. Well, someone found the phone, contacted police. Police uh, then did what they call, uh, I believe, a a graph search, something where they they figure out where the location is and then they just go door to door in a certain mile radius and they eventually found a home and a vehicle that matched the description that the girl texted and they knocked on that home and it was the right one and they were able to find this guy. So it was a great job from that girl who was, you know, you can't imagine what her emotions are like and what how scattered her brain probably was to Take a deep breath. What can I do to help myself in the situation? Right. Send a couple of text messages out. And then eventually someone found that phone and was able to uh, get the individual responsible, we what, assume. What's the victim's age again? Uh, we don't have an age, but she's in high school. Sure. So you can get a range. So you're saying the, the, the detail that stands out to me, the phone was, was thrown out of the vehicle, moving mm-hmm. vehicle. Some, the, the linchpin here is that someone found it mm-hmm. and then alerted authorities. From That's what it having- sounds like. Cops were contacted uh, in some regards, whether once the phone was found... Cops were then notified, and they were able to figure out, okay, the phone was found here. Sure. 
Uh, and like I said, they ended up finding this individual's home who kidnapped her was about seven minutes away from her home, same neighborhood, essentially. And they door to door, hey, we're looking for this type of home, this type of vehicle. And eventually they found the right one and they were able to, you know, figure this out in a matter of, uh, you know, same day, at least a couple of hours. Good for law enforcement. Glad the good guys are okay. Glad the suspects are, are locked up. Uh, John Wojcik, grateful to you. Uh, are you going to be covering this throughout the day? Uh, Kev covered it throughout the morning, and I think the next thing will be what what happens with this individual that's booked into jail. I don't expect anything more on that today, but I think the rest of this week we'll probably find out more. And the details on how she escaped that home, because we're still waiting to find out, you know, how she got out of this individual's home. So we'll probably find out more about that sometime this week, I would imagine. Good for her. John Wojcik, grateful to you for sharing with us these details. Listen, just a few minutes left in this segment before we move on and talk about the overturn, uh, at least in the House, of this tax reform measure. Uh, I want to catch you up on a few of the things that happened yesterday during the impeachment proceedings. Uh, I We missed out uh, yesterday as we covered things at the Utah legislature on a lot of the goings-on in the defense's turn to defend the president. That started Saturday morning. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I was I was running. Uh, I like to kind of go jogging if I can. And I spent uh, about an hour or so on Saturday running. And I'll tell you what, there is nothing uh, more... Uh, well, I don't know. What do you listen to when you run? I listen to often it's uh, music uh, or spoken word stuff, audiobooks. Uh, but for the first time, <laughs> I was listening to impeachment proceedings. Uh, and for the first time, it's me listening to uh, Cipollone and I'm listening to all the folks, all the attorneys on the president's defense team as I'm uh, running. Anyway, so that was Saturday. Uh, y- they took a break on Sunday and then yesterday... Monday, while you and I were up at the uh, Utah Capitol learning about what is going on and what are the legislative priorities of all the uh, big, important, powerful people up there, it was the president's defense team uh, making their case for day two uh, of their attempt. And yeah, uh, I want to just walk through a few of the the comments that were made. Uh, Ken Starr yesterday was uh, talking about uh, a war of ideas in his defense of the president. Here's some of those comments from uh, Ken Starr from the floor of the U.S. Impeachment is hell, or at least presidential impeachment is hell. Those of us who lived through the Clinton impeachment, including members of this body, full well understand that a presidential impeachment is tantamount to domestic war, albeit thankfully protected by our beloved First Amendment, a war of words and a war of ideas. There was a face yesterday and today on the team of the president's uh, defense council that you may not have recognized. Uh, A blonde-haired woman, uh, you might not recognize her. Her name is Pam Bondi. Uh, Coincidentally, Doug Wright and I, years ago, were on assignment down in Tampa, Florida. uh, And at the time, Pam Bondi was the attorney general for the state of Florida. And Doug and I ended up spending a lot of time with her, getting to know her pretty well. And it was uh, Pam Bondi who yesterday, from the floor of the United States Senate was defending the president of the United States. I don't have time right now to play for you her comments, but they are fascinating. Uh, I'm going to try to get to them later on in the program. We're going to take a break right now, and when we come back, we're going to speak to Representative Kevin Stratton, a a member of the Utah House of Representatives. The House has voted to repeal that controversial tax reform bill uh, by seven, uh, it was in the House voted 70 
to one. The Senate has also voted 27 to zero. So if you do the math there, there is one person, one person who decided not to vote to repeal. That's Kevin Stratton. He joins us next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.